0: all right it is good to be here this morning enjoyed all the good christmas songs always like singing them hard to play them but i enjoy singing them um do have a a christmas centered message this morning and want to preach and it's going to be out of the gospel of luke luke chapter one and uh last week we read out of luke chapter two the of course the birth of christ but this is uh, before the actual birth of Christ, this is the announcement of it from Gabriel to his mother Mary, and Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 38, Lord willing, this morning. And I've titled the message A Very Merry Christmas. Very Merry Christmas. All right, let's go ahead and read our text here in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. The Bible says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. and the angel departed from her. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Help us now as we try to understand and get the best meaning we can, Lord, that you'll open our minds and hearts to receive it. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to look at the uh, the Christmas message here, a very merry Christmas through the eyes of Mary, kind of her perspective of how things were. Now, I know a lot of times people make fun of that, that song, Mary, Did You Know? And I sing it. Um, they used to have me sing it at, at the other church we were at uh, quite a bit. But um, Mary did know several things about what was going to be of her son. Here we see that Gabriel mentioned several things, the son of the Most Highest and, and his kingdom, there be no end and and everything like that. But I don't believe she fully understood the everything the whole gravity of the situation and what all entailed with her, what she was going to be giving birth to or who she was going to be giving birth to and uh it's very mirac- miraculous that we know uh in that day and time these um uh these people that were espoused like this were the the woman was usually around 12 years old when she was sp- espoused to her husband who would be around 14 And so Mary was very young, 12, 13 years old. Uh, uh, She had never been with a man intimately. And so there was no way possible for her to have a child uh, unless this miracle occurred in her life. And the Lord God planted that seed uh, by the Holy Ghost inside of her. And so we kind of look at this through her eyes. And, uh, you know, we all have our own perspective on Christmas. Everybody has... Certain things in their mind they think about when they hear the word Christmas. Of course, the number one thing should be it's the birth of Christ that we are celebrating, remembering. We know that Christ wasn't born on December 25th. Uh, I know that. And I know that Christmas was Christ Mass. It was created by the Roman Catholic Church. I understand all that. And there are those out there, even Baptists, that don't believe in celebrating Christmas or having Christmas trees or anything like that. Uh, they claim that it's a pagan tradition and that uh, we have no business in it, and it's also intermingled with Catholicism and all that. Uh, I understand where they're coming from. But uh, when I think of Christmas, I think of when God sent his only begotten son here on this earth to die for my sins. He was born in that manger to a virgin, and uh, He he was the only one able to forgive men of their sins. And so that's what I think of immediately when I hear the word Christmas. And then we start thinking about, of course, presents and family and time to be together. and Christmas time at church is always one of my very favorite times. I love Easter as well, but and, and that's another holiday some people will detract from and don't believe in. <laughs> but uh, here we find in our opening text there in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, there are two good angels mentioned in the Bible. We have Michael, the archangel, and we have Gabriel, the messenger angel. This is Gabriel that has came to Mary, and it has been approximately 400 years since man has heard anything from God uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, about a 400-year period that it seemed God was silent. But he was he was not silent. He was still working. He was still doing things and uh, preparing things. And this was one of those things that God was preparing all this time. And so he sends this messenger angel uh, over, uh, Gabriel, to Mary. Now, uh, it talks about uh, in the sixth month. That sixth month is referring to the sixth month of Mary's cousin Elizabeth having a baby. I don't use the P word. I, I, I was not allowed to use that word growing up and it just feels wrong for me to say it. I know there's probably nothing wrong with it, but I don't like to say, I like to say great with child, like the Bible says, (laughs) Uh, or she's going to have a baby. So uh, it's referring to that six month period when Elizabeth's conception of John the Baptist occurred. Uh, Of course, he being the cousin of Jesus and also the one that that was prophesied to be the forerunner of the Messiah, Christ Jesus. And so, um, that's what that's talking about, about the sixth month. Now, notice that Gabriel was sent unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth, there was nothing good that came out of Nazareth. That's In fact, the Bible in John 1 and 46, we find Nathanael pondering on this thought, and he says, can there anything good come out of Nazareth? And of course, we know the Lord Jesus came to him and and called him to be a disciple. And so there was something good that came out of Nazareth. It was the Lord Jesus. But there was nothing spectacular about this place. Nothing great had ever happened there. Uh, it was just one of those uh, places that you really didn't want to go to. You know, it's uh, nothing fancy about it. No, it's not a vacation destination by any means. Just a bunch of blue-collar people that live there. And uh, so nothing good, they say, ever come out of there. There was not some good people. There was some bad people that came out of that place. And so it was no accident that Jesus's home was in Nazareth because it was prophesied that it would be so. Because he was known, the Bible calls the Messiah uh, a Nazarene. The one that would come, That would be a Nazarene. And that's not the one that took the Nazarite vow. Some people get that confused thinking, oh, he took a Nazarite vow. No, it means he was out of the city of Nazareth. So he would be called a Nazarene, like we're Corytonites, cause we're from Coryton. Uh, if you're from Knoxville, you'd be a Knoxvillean. Uh, so you know he is a Nazarene. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew two twenty three, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. And so it was prophesied that's where he would be born. Now the fact is the entire birth and life, of course, of Jesus is completely supernatural. Uh, It was prophetical and supernatural. Every single detail about his birth, life, and death was preordained even before he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. In fact, there are over 350 prophetic messages, promises in the Old Testament that speak about the birth of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That these people, when he came unto his own, his own received him not. Yet there was 350 pieces of prophecy that pointed that he was the one that God was going to send. And so, uh, uh, look at verse 27. It says, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, one thing important you need to notice here is the fact that Luke tells us this angel came to a virgin, she was a virgin, she knew not a man. This was prophesied by the prophets, one of the signs that the Messiah would come from Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign; behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And so this prophecy has been fulfilled through Mary. Uh, And so that's one of the perspectives that you can think about that Mary has on Christmas, her being a virgin and being able to give birth. And uh, even like she told Gabriel, she said, how can this thing be? (laughs) You know, I I don't understand this. I've never known a man. And uh, so he says, well, it's going to be of of the Lord. The Lord's going to be the one that, that gives you a child. And so listen, if you do not believe in the virgin birth, then you don't believe the Bible. You don't believe in Jesus if you don't believe in the virgin birth because that is instrumental in understanding who he is. If he was born of natural birth with a natural father that was a sinner and a natural mother together with the natural father and that sin passed on down from Adam into him, he would not be a spot spotless lamb able to die for our sins. And so uh, he was not born of a man. He was born of the Holy Ghost. And so you either believe all the Bible, or you don't believe it at all. Um, some people say, "Well, I believe Jesus was a great man, and he, you know, did some wonderful things, a teacher, and and all of that." But I don't. I just can't swallow the fact that he was born of a virgin. That just is not scientifically possible. And you're right; it's not scientifically possible. It's spiritually pro- uh, possible. Uh, with God all things are possible that's what Gabriel told her there what was he said for? with God in Luke 1 and 37 with God nothing shall be impossible now we know with man man can't do much at all but when it looks like man's um, ideas and man's strengths have ran out God is always there and God can always do things there's people that you know in your life that you think can never be saved they're evil, they're rotten, sinful, and you think, well, there's no hope for them, there's still hope for them as long as they are breathing uh here on this earth, there's still hope that God will save them, and so we never give up because all things are possible with God um, uh, One sad thing is that in the liberal seminaries today uh they're teaching that uh the virgin birth is is not possible, of course they want to throw science in with with the Bible. And so they tell the students there that they don't have to believe in all these. that uh, These are really uh, maybe uh, things that uh, mean something else or things like that. But these liberal liberal seminaries, these professors, I believe most of them are lost if they're teaching such things. If you don't believe the Bible, um, then I I just can't understand how you can be saved if you don't believe all the Bible. Now, if, uh, you say the virgin birth is not real, then that means that you are saying that God is a liar because we believe this to be the word of God. We, we believe it to be everything that he inspired men to pin down that God has said, I want you to write this. And this is all truth. So if you don't believe parts like this and you believe God's a liar and the Bible says God cannot lie. And I believe every word of the Bible. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. So Mary never had a carnal relationship with a man. She was pure. She was a chosen vessel, chosen by God. She The, uh, it said, the angel told her she was highly favored. And so that don't mean that she was uh, better than anybody else, but that God placed high favor on her. Um, she must have been a wonderful woman. Uh, she God saw something in her, and he chose her to be the one, the vessel, to bring his son into this world so uh that means that uh, the lord jesus was spotless it says there in our text that uh, mary was a the virgin was a spouse to a man uh, that espousal like i said of mary and joseph it was a legal binding agreement it was kind of like a a marriage uh, agreement contract um it was almost like being married but not quite you were not living together or having any kind of physical contact it meant that you were promised to this person and you promised to be faithful to them until the time when are holy matrimony takes place, when they're married. And so, like I said, the woman was probably around 12, 13. Uh, the man, spousal age, typically 14 years old. And during that espousal time, the man would prepare a place for them to live in. And uh, a, a home, uh, whatever they were going to do, he would be getting everything ready. And then when it came time for the marriage, they would move into the the home that he's prepared for them. And so they were just teenagers. And by the way, the only way out of a a spousal was by a divorce or by death. It was the only way you could get out of that. Okay, it says that he spoused to a man man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, for Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to come from the lineage of, of king david there's no other way about it the bible tells us this the bloodline is always traced through the father's side of the family now we know that joseph was not his natural father he was his adopted father so uh you call him a a stepfather but he was the one that uh the the bloodline actually lineage is traced through even though he was adopted by joseph um he still has all rights and, uh, of the heir to whatever's Joseph. So Joseph's bloodline would apply to Jesus as well. And so we're given in Matthew and Luke the, the genealogy of Joseph to prove Jesus's connection to the throne of David. Uh, like I said, Jesus, uh, Joseph was not Jesus's earthly father, but through adoption, he became the legal son and heir uh, to the throne. Uh, listen to what it says in Matthew one. 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now notice, Matthew lists David first and Abraham second. But Abraham uh, was here 1,900 years before David was here. And uh, David was here 1,000 years before Christ was born. Yet Jesus is called the son of David first, and then the son of Abraham. Uh, Matthew's genealogy is the genealogy to the royal bloodline. Jesus had to be traced back to David. Uh, one thing interesting to note: although Joseph was a descendant of the royal bloodline, he was not living in royalty. Uh, he was just a poor carpenter, so he was not reaping any benefits from being in the royal bloodline. You know, we're, we're this this is kind of related, but we're uh, related to Kenny Chesney. He's our my third cousin and uh, everywhere we go when people hear my last name they say oh are you related to kenny well yes we are and they say well that's wonderful that's great you know i i I wish i was related to somebody famous like that and i'm like well, what good does it do me i don't reap any benefits from him being my cousin uh you know last time i spoke to him was in high school <laughs> and he would have nothing to do with me today i'm not getting any money from his concerts or anything Joseph was not reaping any benefits from being part of the royal bloodline of King David. So we can see how the influence of the throne of David had had been weakened throughout that thousand years since he reigned. It had got weaker and weaker as they put up uh, kings that uh, were not good kings. Remember all those kings that were mentioned there um, in, in the Bible when they went into captivity and how awful they were. And they'd done evil in the sight of God. So the the royal bloodline had deteriorated into practically nothing, where one of the descendants is really just a poor carpenter. He's not wearing around a crown or got any gold, anything like that. And so they were no longer wealthy or held any influence. By the way, that's important to know. They held no influence in the kingdom, the very city of David that they came from. All right, it goes on to say, And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So isn't that something? in the virgin's name was Mary. No pomp, circumstance, no, you know, this uh, prepared woman that God has set aside for all these years. And is, you know, nothing like that. No big introduction, no history, no background. We don't know anything really hardly at all about her. Or her family. Her name means exalted. My wife's name's Mary. We exalt her. Especially around supper time. We exalt her highly. <laughs> uh, but what an honor it is for this young lady to be chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. Um uh, she was probably from the tribe of Levi, since the Bible tells us she was the cousin to Elizabeth, who of course is of the tribe of levi or the she's one of the daughters of aaron the bible tells us so that is of the tribe of levi now other than that all we know is that mary lived in nazareth and she was a spouse to a man named joseph but the bible doesn't tell us something about her that uh it does tell us something about her that we need to know that's the most important thing she was highly favored and so the angel gabriel appears to her and says hail thou that are highly favored uh, can you imagine how mary must have felt when when this happened you know if you if you google uh gabriel appearing to mary you'll find and, and look at the images that people have out there you're going to find this really feminine looking angel with blonde hair flowing long hair and these big gold wings wearing a white robe and and going over mary like this you know and you see a big shining light going on her and, and her you know cowering down like this um I don't believe angels look like that at all. I believe they're terrifying creatures uh, uh, because we see throughout the Old Testament when people come in the presence of an angel, they they, uh, they fall on the ground like they're dead. Uh, they fear. They tremble. And so I don't believe that Gabriel was this beautiful uh, womanly looking angel. And there's no women angels, by the way. You can go to Sermon Audio, look up our Angels 101 sermon series and find that. Uh, but here, Gabriel's appeared to her, and how disturbing that must have been for a, a young girl. Uh, and suddenly, this and everywhere you read the Bible, angels are huge. Um, there are—I um, don't even know how to describe them really. But uh, it comes into her; he comes into her presence and speaks to her and tells her she's highly favored. She's probably looking around thinking is he talking to me <laughs> are you talking to me <laughs> uh but look uh that phrase there thou are highly favored that means god has bestowed his unmerited grace upon you mary his favor uh that word favor comes from a greek word and i know there'll be people out there we don't need the greek somebody gets fair talking about the greek this and greek that and i've got preacher friends that man that's That's the biggest thing in their ministry. It's talking about people who refer back to the Greek. But the Greek word that favor comes from is "charis," and it means a gift of grace. It's what that means, a gift of grace. Now, out of all the women in the world, God chose this one young girl to be, um, to give birth to his only begotten son. Now, while that is a great thing, and Mary must have been a wonderful woman, keep in mind she was simply flesh. In blood, she was a sinner like everyone else. The Bible never tells us that she was sinless, and uh, I don't believe she was. Uh, The Roman Catholics have read way too much into this about Mary, uh, that phrase especially, uh, thou that are highly favored. They take that and they build an entire false religion around just this little part of the Bible. Uh, They interpret this as saying, Hail Mary full of grace. That's what they say. Hail Mary full of grace. Uh, one semester in, in my seminary studies at Crown College, uh, we had to study Mariology. Mariology. Uh, Mary uh means, of course, Mary the mother of Jesus, and ology means the study of. Ology on the end of the word means the study of. You know, biology. <laughs> you know. So um uh, I learned a lot about uh, Roman Catholicism and the different things that they do and their twisted view of who Mary was and and uh, why they pray to Mary. Uh, they think Mary can hear your prayers and answer your prayers and pass your prayers along, and that's just not true. The Bible never teaches that at all. Uh, but they teach that Mary is full of grace and she bestows it on others, that she's the source of grace, they say. Uh, She possesses grace to give, and that is the error of Catholicism. Uh, It's the dominating theme of the Catholic uh, theology, that Mary is the bestower of grace. That is not true. God is the bestower of grace. Uh, So that's completely opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible is saying that God bestowed his grace on Mary. It's his grace, not her grace. The Roman Catholics also teach that Mary was born of a virgin as well, but where did they come up with this, that she was the the, uh, the source of grace? They also teach that Mary was sinless. That's not in the Bible. The Bible never says that. Uh, the Roman Catholics, they pray to Mary as if she can hear them. Uh, Mary can hear your prayers. She's never never been able to hear anybody's prayers except for her own or anybody that was immediately beside her. That she could hear with her own ears. She's not up in heaven listening to people's prayers. How silly. Uh, and Mary needed a Savior. That's why Mary said this over in Luke chapter 1, verse 47. She said, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. She said that God was her Savior. Why did she need a Savior if she was s- sinless? Only people that are sinful need a Savior. So Mary was not sinless. All right, back in verse 29 of her opening text, it goes on to say, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now, if Mary was a saint and she was on equal ground with God or Jesus and she could hear the prayers and bestow grace on people, then why was she troubled at the saying of Gabriel? Hmm? She wouldn't be if she was all those things that the Roman Catholics believe. Well, I'll tell you why she was, she was uh, troubled. Because she was scared and surprised as any 13-year-old girl from Nazareth would have been. And she also knew she was a sinner. Can you imagine God sending a messenger angel directly to you, appearing to you, speaking to you, and telling you that you were going to do this miraculous thing, that God has chose you for that, what are you going to do? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to start running through your mind. There is absolutely no way God has chosen me because I know how I am. I know what I think in my mind and in my heart. I know the sins I've committed and the sins I will continue to commit. And so we know that we do not feel worthy. Mary was the same way. She was troubled. She was troubled. All right, look at verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow, that's a heavy load to lay upon a teenage girl, isn't it? Uh, You're going to have a son that's going to do all these things. Um, try to put yourself in her shoes that day. wonder what was going on in her mind. She's probably thinking, all right, first of all, nobody's going to believe this. (laughs) If I tell anybody this, they are definitely not going to believe it. Uh, But make no mistake about Mary fully realizes who it is, this angel that's speaking to her. She knows this is from God. God has sent it, and she knows it's the truth that she is going to conceive this son. She knows it without a doubt. She just don't understand it. And so this is the Messiah she's always heard about, the Messianic Prince, the King of Israel, the Anointed One who would set the captives free. That's how she would have known who this was the angel was speaking of. Her son's going to be that. <laughs> All right, look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Okay, so she she believes the part she's going to have a child already. That's, that's already done. She believes it. Now she's questioning how? I understand it's going to happen, but I don't understand how it's going to happen because I don't know a man. And don't you just love how she reacts? Look at it closely. No, she did not say, that's impossible because I've never known a man. She didn't say that. She said, how? <laughs> how shall this be? And so she believes it. She just don't know how it's going to happen. She knows she's not had any physical contact with a man to be able to have a child, and so she's simply asking the Lord, you know, uh, how are you going to do this? And I'm sure her head is spinning right now uh, for all this information. Verse, in verse 29, it says that she was troubled and cast in her mind. That means she was mentally shook up. You ever been troubled and cast in your mind where you're just mentally shook up? That's what Mary is right now. There's a lot of stuff for her to understand and to grasp. All right, look at verse 35 through 37. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is a sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. So just like that, Gabriel tells her exactly What's going to happen? Okay, well, I'll tell you how this is going to be. He didn't hold anything back. He didn't say, oh, Mary, just, you know, just trust. Have faith, Mary, and you'll eventually get it, you know. <laughs> That's what people want to do today. They don't want to get into the details and get you all concerned and everything. Oh, don't you worry about it. You'll understand eventually. No, Gabriel says, all right, I'm going to lay this on you. Uh, I don't know if you can take it or not, but listen, I'm going to go into detail, and he goes into great detail. This is going to happen through God's Holy Spirit, he says. He is going to actually plant a seed inside of you that's going to cause you to become great with child. And so it's like Shirley Mason always said: it's a God thing. <laughs> it's a God thing. Uh, sometimes we just need to stop asking questions and accept the fact that it's a God thing. But God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to pay my bills? How am I going to be able to... Uh, get this job how am i going to be able to do this or that trust in him and it's a god thing god can work out things where we think is impossible and we sit around we fret about it and we worry over things that we really have no control over we just need to pray and ask god to help us and and rely upon him and see that he does his his thing all right verse 38 it says and mary said Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, Bid it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Isn't that something, Mary? She's willing to be used by God. She didn't say, hang on, Gabriel. But can you just go back up to heaven and tell God that I'm just really not ready for this? Uh, would you tell him that maybe later on when I'm a little older or when I get married or something, then maybe I can do this. But right now, I didn't. she didn't do that. A lot of us deny the things that God wants us to do, and we say, God, you know I can't do that. God has told a lot of people, has showed them that there are things that he wants them to do in this life, and they keep pushing him away because they're afraid to accept it. They're afraid to do it. There's people that God has anointed with such gifts, maybe of singing or teaching or or whatever it may be, and they are—they don't feel like they're worthy enough to do it. They don't feel like they have the skills or, or anything else to do it. Or somebody else could do it better. And so we keep saying, look, Lord, I, I, just, I can't do this. And so they push it off and push it off and push it off. Time goes by. Time goes by. When if we would just accept it and say, God, whatever it is. It says, Mary said, behold, the handmaid Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Why can't we do that? Why can't we say, okay, God? I don't know why you want to choose me. I don't know why you want me to preach, why you want me to pastor a church. I don't want to do it. I've never wanted to do it. But God, if that's what you want, may it be. May it be whatever your will is. I'm willing to be used by by you. And he will do it. If he can take somebody like me who could not look people in the face. I couldn't even speak to people. I couldn't go into a room and, and talk to anybody face to face. But when I accepted the call of God to be a preacher it just happened. God enabled me to do it. I can stand. I don't care if there's 3,000 people in front of me. It doesn't bother me. I can open up the word of God and preach. It doesn't It doesn't matter to me if there's 3,000 or three people or five like there is today. So listen, we just need to trust the Lord and say like Mary did, behold, uh, be it unto me according to thy word. And there it says the angel departed from her. So Gabriel's job was finished there with with Mary. He would go on to do other exciting things. Uh, but uh, a Christmas through Mary's eyes, a very merry Christmas. Now, I don't want us to get all, um, you know, uh, worked up over everything about Mary because the most important thing about Christmas is Christ. Uh, Mary was the vessel that God used to deliver Christ to us. And so, when we think of Christmas, don't think like the Roman Catholics and oh, "Hail Mary, full of grace." You know, <laughs> it's uh, "Hail the Lord Jesus Christ, full of grace" is what it is. Um, this time of year, we need to remember the reason we. And it's become a cliche the reason for the season. It is Christ. Don't take Christ out of Christmas. There's no Christmas without Him. And so, I know we get all focused upon gifts and. Uh, buying and and money and um, all this stuff, but we need to make the number one thought in on our mind this during this season is Christ that God sent Him here to be born of a virgin and uh, who would eventually grow up and at thirty three, approximately thirty three and a third years, would be crucified, would be killed for being uh, the Son of God, and He would die for our sins. He would be buried. He would rise again in three days, and uh, he would uh, go to sit on the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us, and that by believing in the finished work of Christ on the cross, believing in the Christmas story, that Christ came here to die for our sins and believing what he did for us, uh, we can be saved, and so it's very important uh, that we understand that. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. Thank you so much for the message. I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, if there's one out there that's listening to this, perhaps online, God, that uh, is struggling, uh, Lord, would you uh, enable us to be able to reach them, God? Or would you reach them through the Holy Spirit, God? If there's one that's lost, Lord, would you convict their heart and show them the need to be saved? Lord, simply believing in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in his finished work on the cross, Uh, understanding they're a sinner that needs to be saved Lord and call upon the name of the Lord and they can be saved Lord would you would you convict them today Lord thank you for these that were here today in our church house and God we we pray that you bless them Lord watch over them during this Christmas season and may we always remember that you are the very reason for the season and uh, Lord we want to thank you for all the gifts you've given us Lord uh, not just physically but spiritually God these gifts that you've bestowed upon us, Lord, Uh, we thank you so much for these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, what is it, about 13 days to Christmas or something like that? 13 or? uh, Yeah, two weeks from today. And so looking forward to that, and uh, does anybody got anything in their heart before we dismiss? All right. Well, in fear of the Lord, we're separated.